Okay. Hello, and welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about Marvel movies and video games. My name is Bob. And my name is Matt. And we are going to talk about Marvel movies right now. <laughs> we're just jumping it right in. Yeah, I mean, why, why small talk when we're talking about the biggest cinematic event in the history of film? Rocket, spo- rocket boots first. Yes, exactly. Uh, so what do we watch, Matt? We watched uh, 2010's Iron Man 2. Directed by John Favreau and written by Justin Thoreau of uh, The Leftovers and Charlie's Angels 2 Full Throttle fame. <laughs> Two equivalent projects. Have you ever seen Charlie's Angels 2? I have not. He does a really amusingly bad Irish accent. Oh. Yeah, it's weird. That sounds okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we watched Iron Man 2 and we are going to now... Try and briefly recap this movie. Uh, I know that last week we went a little long on the recap. You can stop the the hate mail. Yes. Uh, this movie, though, has so much plot that we're going to have to blaze through it. I, I don't this even movie, know. The weird thing is that this movie is, like I think, under two hours, but feels like it is two and a half hours. And I don't mean that necessarily in like a negative oh, way. Oh, no, no. not a, Yeah, I agree. But it is just incredible how there much is, stuff happens in this it's, movie. It's like they created the A plot, and they were like, all right, this will take up about 30 minutes of screen time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but rather than like adding to that and making that more complex, they just added a B, C, D, and E plot. Right. And there is still room for slow motion. Yeah. There are multiple <laughs> slow motion shots in this film, some of which are pretty awesome. Uh, so I think that let's start with by recapping the A plot, maybe. Let's, yeah, I think we're just going to do it as it comes to us. Okay. So this movie has, as the first one did, a fantastic cold open uh frozen yes we are in some sort of eastern block <laughs> locale we overhear the iconic end to iron man one where tony stark reveals that he is iron man we realize that this is playing on a tv set uh in an front old of crt tv set that <laughs> yeah. is super grainy well it's the eastern which, block which implies yeah which implies immediately that we are not we are in, in tony, russia yeah we're definitely in Russia, where they can still make Iron Man suits without their fancy 3D holographic technology. Did you... Uh, that was my favorite part of The Americans, is that whenever in The Americans, a show about two Russian spies living in America, and the premise is that the Russian spies, at least one of them, is like doing it for the homeland, right? Is still into Russia. Yeah. But whenever they show a flashback of her in Russia, it's shot in this like terrible, desaturated color palette. And she's just getting the shit kicked out of her I by mean, like her mother. Yeah. That's but that's like the color palette used for anything I know. that they set in Russia. There's literally a filter, a like Russia an filter. Instagram filter. Yeah. yeah. It's just Chernobyl. <laughs> uh, but it's just like, why would you ever want to go back to Russia? <laughs> Anyway, well, the the main villain in this movie does not want to go back to Russia. He wants to leave Russia because his father, who we learn had something to do with Tony Stark's father and helped build the uh, flux capacitor. What's it called? Uh, the arc, arc reactor. reactor. Arc reactor. So, uh, and he's angry about it. This movie begins with with his father dying. This Russian uh, named Ivan. Whiplash. <laughs> Ivan Whiplash. Ivan Venko. Ivan Venko. Right. Ivan Turgnev. Um, 
decides that he wants revenge on Tony Stark because, because he sees Tony Stark say that he is Iron Man. His father sees this and then immediately dies <laughs> saying that the only thing he has to give to Ivan, who is played by Mickey Rourke in what I would say is a fantastic character turn, like very good role very for good. him. Yeah. Um, his father's like, all I can give you is my knowledge. And then Mickey Rourke drinks heavily <laughs> and, and builds, builds an arc reactor. <laughs> And it is awesome. It's very, it's a very cool scene. Opening credit sequence plays over him just doing classic Iron Man in a cave. Yes, building it is, an arc it is reactor. the perfect parallel to the Iron yes. Man in a cave scene. And then he picks up this running arc reactor. Boom, smash cut, Iron Man 2. And you're like, heck yeah, the Hulk never happened. Yeah. <laughs> I have. It's just totally banished from your memory. The minute that he picks that thing up and you see the title, you're like, Oh, yeah, this is why I'm watching these movies. The adults have taken over again. So much. Yeah. It was like watching the debate, the first debate night, whenever Elizabeth Warren talked. You were like, oh, oh, my God, oh, this is just goodness. a totally different game. Uh, meanwhile, in USA, uh, Tony Stark is a celebrity. ACDC is playing, a and Tony Stark is jumping out are, of airplanes. There are cheerleaders? Yeah, Tony Stark is staging a World's Fair-like event. In Flushing, New York. <laughs> which I think might be the site of a world's fair possibly uh but he is holding some sort of stark exposition it's a year-long exposition which he also will allow his business competitors to exhibit at we will see later <laughs> which i i never fully grasped what I was going understand on that there. at all uh, it would be it would be like if apple held like a keynote and it was like <laughs> and now we're gonna welcome microsoft ceo yeah <laughs> like, exactly bill gates comes out and is like here's some stuff i've been working on it won't be compatible at all with any apple totally products. it is in fact directly competing with them so kind of a weird unclear motive here yeah but we learn that tony stark is more of a dick than ever yeah yeah being iron man it turns out has gone to his head and he is, like, running this World's Fair, and we also learn he is dying. Mm -hmm. He has this thing that reads his blood and says that his blood is contaminated. So we're like, oh, There's no. a toxicity. Right. <laughs> Something is going bad for Tony Stark. He yeah. so is the arc reactor is essentially not working properly, and he needs to find another element other than whatever element like he was palladium, using. palladium, I think. Palladium, yeah. Another element that will power the arc reactor and not. Poison, poison his body his at the body. same time because it's like it doesn't filter properly essentially meanwhile you've got those those three plots running we've and got then, I, ivan whiplash the world's fair and then and tony stark being poisoned and then he is brought before a congressional committee held by gary shandling <laughs> yes r.i.p true yeah uh and in this like the government obviously wants Tony Stark to turn over, quote, the Iron Man weapon, which is just a great phrase. I just love it. It's yeah. so genuinely like something the government would say. And Tony Stark insists that there is no Iron Man weapon. There is just Iron Man and he is Iron Man. Right. And like basically through some thing, some legal means that he looked up, like they can't, you know, he can't it's surrender property. himself. And he can't surrender himself right. to the to the use of the government. And then everybody's like, but what about the rest of the world? They're going to build Iron Men, and then we're all going to be screwed because we just have you. And he displays a video of everyone else's attempts to build Iron Man suits, revealing that nobody is even close. And uh, he turns around and says, I have effectively privatized world peace. Pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're also introduced to Sam Rockwell's character, whose name is something Hammer. Yes, something Hammer. Army Hammer. 
the human hammer <laughs> and he runs a competing arms dealer called hammer yes <laughs> conveniently called hammer for those of us who have no idea what this man's name is um and they seem kind of not as good as tony but they have government contacts and they are actually we see in one of the videos tony shows trying and failing to build an iron man i think one of the most grotesque moments oh, man, it's that great. Goes, is up there with tim roth being crushed by a tree it's, it's <laughs> They play it for laughs in a way that, like, I never would have been able to anticipate, but it actually works out. But you see this Iron Man suit, like, torque in a way that, like, rips a man in half. It is like, and immediately it's like death count one for Iron Man two. <laughs> but then we are assured by Sam Rockwell that that test pilot survived, <laughs> which is really funny and dark. Uh, so what happens next? Oh, boy. Uh, okay. Then... That's Tony plot, Stark. That's plot D. That's that was plot C. No D. D. Yeah. Then Tony Stark hires a new assistant, <laughs> played suspiciously by Scarlett Johansson. Yes. Who is you know classic secretary character and for film upon film. Also, just like inexplicably enters a boxing ring with John Favreau and wrecks him. And nothing suspicious here. Right. It's not even that she wrecks John Favreau, which I totally believe Scarlett Johansson could oh, do. Oh, no doubt. But is the method in which she wrecks him? Yes. That leaves no doubt that she is someone special. She is definitely trained in the art of fighting people with her legs. <laughs> um, so we don't know what her deal is. Things seem to be going poorly at uh, the actual Stark organization. Pepper Potts is very distraught. So there's the business pressure mounting on Stark and the fact that they've hired a new secretary. That's E and F in our plot count. <laughs> um, so. I, I know. I kind of lose track at this point. Okay. This is when we now, things kind of transpire, right? We get through all of that. We establish all these plots. Oh, quick note. Uh, Rhodey. Like James Rhodes. James Rhodes. Played now by Don Cheadle yes. instead of Terrence Howard. Exactly. Uh, did testify in the congressional hearing. And so we sense that there might be a little bit of conflict between these two best bros. Yeah. Tony Stark and Rhodey. Um, but we don't really know where that's going yet. So that's plot Q. Yeah. Rhodey testifies on Tony's behalf, but he's kind of, you can tell that he has reservations about Tony being essentially like his own one man he's like machine. a legitimate kind of military man like he yeah. is a boy scout yeah he wants to do it by the book <clears throat> right god damn it <laughs> yes as as do you yeah. so you identify very strongly i'm really the tony in this relationship <laughs> um okay everything kind of comes to a head like tony is behaving erratically right and we as the viewer know that this is because he is dying and he just doesn't care yeah uh and he kind of doesn't feel like he's going to find a solution and his Brody is going to poison itself. Yeah. So he's he's drinking a lot. He's <laughs> he's drinking a lot. He is at okay, they go to the Monaco Grand Prix, right? Which is a big Formula One race. Tony Stark inexplicably and in a surprise announcement says that he is going to drive the Stark Industries F1 car. Um, bold choice. Yes. It's uh, seemingly more dangerous than piloting an Iron Man suit. Definitely. And like would have been much more believable to me if he was wearing the suit while he did it. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Actually. I know. Because then I'd be like, oh, he's got Jarvis. Like this makes yeah. more sense. Instead, he's just Tony Stark in a racing suit. Yeah, he's going in bare. Um, and while he is doing this, we realize that Ivan Vanko has incredible foresight because he has predicted that Tony Stark will, by surprise, choose to drive this car disguised himself as a pit crew member 
while wearing his whiplash Iron Man suit equivalent that's just like this exoskeleton that lets him wield these like laser whips. Um, and he, <laughs> so he has just guessed that this will happen. Conveniently, it all pays off for him. And he is able to walk out onto the track in the middle of this fight, of this race rather, and just start cutting F1 cars in half. In half. Deaths two, three, and four. It looks awesome. Yeah. It, it does look really cool. So cool. I very clearly remember seeing the trailer for Iron Man 2 and thinking that those whips look dumb. And then it shows it just like slice through <laughs> something. Yeah. It is like a it's like the lightsaber effect. It is exactly the yeah. lightsaber. And so yeah, he's cutting these cars in half. They're flipping. Gratuitous slow-mo explosions it's great it's really well shot it is because it's all very grounded yes tony stark whips around a corner car gets cut in half of course tony lives crawls out of the car he does not have the suit right he is just a dude and he is up against somebody of equivalent strength like in some ways to an iron man john favreau who has given himself a much bigger role in this film (laughs) um he is tony's driver butler man uh and part-time boxing coach um he is in a car with Pepper Potts, and he takes it upon himself to drive on the Monaco Grand Prix course in the opposing direction to all the F1 cars, a feat that I think might be physically impossible. He does it. Uh, they pull up, and he rams Whiplash into the wall. Whiplash starts cutting the car up, but John Favreau has brought a suitcase that can turn into an Iron Man suit. Uh, Tony gets in this. And they fight, but Tony does not look good in this fight, right? Like no, and but although it's worth noting that suddenly, like, Whiplash's whips cannot cut through just anything for whatever reason. They cannot cut through Tony's. It's suit. because he has like the weird alloy. Okay, that he referenced in the first one. Uh, all right, you've been keeping up with the science of all this. Yes, uh, this is all real science, as we um, will see later when Tony Stark does real science. <laughs> um, so Tony Stark fights, uh, and defeats whiplash but he's actually just like taken to prison yeah uh and then everything's like oh no tony's not doing so hot he looks at his blood monitor things are bad blah 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 blah. so simultaneously while whiplash is in prison (laughs) tony stark decides to go on a bender and host his own birthday party yes and um with a little goading that i don't fully understand from scarlett johansson he gets like super drunk we will learn later in this movie, and let's just wrap up the Scarlett Johansson plot, because yes. otherwise we're going to have this to keep jumping to it. Yeah. Um, she actually works for S.H.I.E.L.D., the organization that's trying to assemble the Avengers. She is effectively Black Widow, although I don't think they ever call her that. No, else. but, but that, she is Natasha an Romanoff. Yes. Uh, and so she is actually there to like gather a report on Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And so before this birthday, he's like, what would you do if it was your last birthday? We, the audience, know he is dying. She... Probably thinks it's kind of a weird question uh, and says, I would do whatever I wanted with whoever I wanted to do it with. I think trying to make him do things that she can write down in a report. But like, why is she trying to seduce Tony Stark? She's not trying to seduce him. I think she's trying. Oh, there's heavy seduction in. in... I mean, Tony Stark is like a charming asshole. Yeah, but like, why? What is. What is the benefit? I think she's trying to like goad him into his true self so she can understand. Okay, so she can better. So, like, like, should he he come on to her if he he were to come on to her? Sure. It would be a weakness on his part. And as a result, she would say, not fit for the Avengers initiative. Yes, that's what I think. Okay, that's a good reason. So, she is is trying to like write this report, right? So, tell me about the birthday party from hell. (laughs) Oh, my God, dude. So. Tony Stark gets wasted in an Iron Man suit and then starts having people. DJ AM is there, which is a total period piece. RIP. 
a lot of dead people in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Well, and not just the ones Tony kills. Yeah. Um, at this point, also, it's important to note, Tony does not kill people in this movie. No, yeah, he the, has Very he has pointedly, the body count in this movie is much lower than it was in, in the In part because one. most of the antagonists are robots, but we'll get to that later. We will get to that later. Um, so, uh, it's Tony's birthday, he's wasted, he's wearing the Iron Man suit and encouraging people to throw things into the air so he can shoot them with the Iron Man suit, which I'll admit is pretty badass. <laughs> um, and at one point, it's like, he has to stop. Rhodey shows up and is like, I will stop him, goes to the Iron Man lab, puts on one of the older prototype Iron Man suits, the silver one, that is pretty cool looking. It is much cooler looking than the red and gold, uh, in my opinion. I can go I can go either way. But it has like a shoulder mounted gun. Well he didn't shit. at this yeah. point. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he gets I'm sorry. that later. Yeah. Um, oh so, man, there's so much in this movie. So Rhodey, Rhodey comes up and he's like, Tony, stop. And Tony's like, no, I'm having too much fun filming my Girls Gone Wild video. And Rhodey is essentially just like, all right, I will battle you. And the two of them fight. Set to a, to, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I don't know. I can't the, remember the name of the song. Tony, I don't know the song either, but Tony Stark is like, DJ AM, hit it. And then we are in this terrible fight scene that like this sequence uh spoiler alert i really enjoyed this movie this sequence though we were just like this is so dumb it was one of those things while it's happening you're like this is well, it's, so it's such dumb. a weird tonal shift and it's trying to balance two tones simultaneously yes because it is both comedy because these two guys are beating each other up while dj am is playing like <laughs> whatever that dumbass like jock jams hit is <laughs> yeah that's what it is and and but it's also like <laughs> these two best friends are beating the shit out of each other because one of them is dying and won't open up about it and is being reckless right. as a result and the other one is is the boy scout who wants to play by the rules and, and is saying like hey you're out of control there's something really frustrating about it because they're playing it kind of for laughs mm -hmm. but it's actually like a meaningful character thing right it's probably like the most powerful potentially powerful like conflict in the movie I, I agree. It's, because it's, it is in many an, ways, it's it is the heart. A, it's the heart of the movie. It's an internal conflict between two best friends who see the world in different ways. Yes. And, are not, and one of whom is not being honest with the other. That is, that is so true. And like, it's, that's much more engaging in many ways. And I would argue more important to the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because we know Mickey Rourke is going to die or go down at the end of this yeah, movie. Yeah, things are not going to things end Things are not well going to end him. well for Mickey Rourke. So what is like the lasting question about this? It should be like, what is the status of like... Tony Stark's, Tony Stark's friendship with with War Machine, and that that's really should be at the heart of this. And it's just like played really tonally weird. It's yeah, it's very odd. But in the midst of this fight, they realize that if they shoot each other's hands at the same time, it creates like a supernova. A supernova. Yeah, they type. do like a Harry Potter Voldemort. Like yes, we're going a little to, explosion. Yeah. So that blows up half of Tony's house, and uh, Rhodey bails and takes the suit to the government. Meanwhile. Uh, Mickey Rourke is in prison. <laughs> he is broken out of prison in a sequence that like he doesn't understand, but people get him out of prison. Um, and he is replaced with a man who dies wearing his prisoner number. Yeah. So everyone assumes that he is dead. He is brought to Hammer, the other arms dealer, who is like, I want you to make me an Iron Man suit. Um, here's our current prototype. You work on this and make it good. Mickey Rourke like breaks into his computers immediately and is like the code is shit pretty good line <laughs> yeah. and you know i just had, well delivered yeah and as a programmer i was like this is exactly like all my reviews <laughs> um uh so yeah very well delivered 
Um, so Mickey now, Rourke begins working on these suits. He is making but, suits, but we also see him making whips. <laughs> yeah, he's also working on his whips. <laughs> yeah, dude loves um, whips. <laughs> uh, but he's making these suits, and he's not making them as suits. Instead, he's turning them into androids, which Sam Rockwell is not super happy about. Yeah, Sam Rockwell does not like the idea that he's building a bunch of drones, but uh, Mickey Rourke assures him, quote, drones are better. Yeah, it's and, all part of a plan. And also, you know... he. Mickey Rourke is saying that they're actually not going to be ready by the time that Hammer wants to show them off yeah. inexplicably at the Stark Expo. Where uh, he is somehow a keynote speaker. A keynote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, inexplicably. Meanwhile, Hammer is also meeting with the U.S. government, including Rhodey, and saying, like, in exchange for your suit technology, I, I will give you a bunch of cool weapons from, like, Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Right. And so there's a sequence where they basically cover Rhodey up in all these different guns. So they this other Iron Man suit, like the Tony Stark Iron Man suit just shoots like these pulses of energy and is kind of like defensive is strong, but is not like going to rocket people yeah. to death. The Whereas, silver suit, which I think we can call the War Machine suit. Right, which now in, the, in the comic books he's called War Machine yeah. and Tony Stark refers to him in this as a War Machine. Yeah. And he has like a Gatling gun on his shoulder and rocket launchers. And he's like, he looks like what the U.S. military would turn one of these things into. Yes. <laughs> no we, doubt. We don't use energy to blast people. Yeah. We use bullets. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're very effective. Um, so in the midst of all this, uh, we learn that Scarlett Johansson is a member of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Sam Jackson shows up and is like, hey, we're working on this thing. You know about that because you saw the thing at the end of the previous movie. Yeah. Um, Pepper is really angry with Tony. It's also worth noting. That's resolved yeah. because Tony is like, you get to run the company. No, it's not resolved yet because she's running the company and then I might be getting ahead of us. Well, no, bit. keep going, man. We're, so, we're all over the place. <laughs> Nobody's going to be able to follow this. So Tony meets with S.H.I.E.L.D. eating donuts. It's somewhere in L.A. It looks very L.A. And Nick Fury, played by Sam Jackson, and um, and Scarlett Johansson, Johansson, now wearing like a cat suit, inexplicably show up, like, and they're as like, though to prove that she is in the Avengers. Yes, <laughs> this is the proof that I am not the secretary you thought I was. Exactly, I've been wearing this cat suit the whole time, <laughs> and it wasn't like strangling John Favreau with my legs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is the off. moment when you're like, hold on, <laughs> something's going on here. Um, they sit him down inside the t- the donut shop, and basically Tony opens up about the fact that he is dying and they tell him well the answer might have something to do with your father and they give him a bunch of like old film of his father well I they believe. they explain that his father was a like, founding member of their wing of the of shield yeah. yeah and they're like your dad and we've seen john slatter slatterly slattery john slattery uh the guy who played uh what's his name on mad men Oh, God. Uh, Roger Sterling. Roger Sterling on Mad Men. He is Tony Stark's dad, and we've seen videos of him, and he's always talking about building, like, the city of tomorrow that's run on an arc reactor and all this stuff, and they're like, your dad, we have this box of all your dad's old stuff from when he was founding S.H.I.E.L.D. Maybe the answer is in this box. So Tony takes the box home. And does... And does real science. Reminiscing... And science. Yes, it is. It is. He like loads up an old slide project, not a slide projector, an old film reel. 
yeah, yeah of his, the projector of his pops. and like watches like this old video of his pops and it looks like a video that we've already seen but then like it breaks you know from right. that and we see that like there's a bunch of errors and then at one point he talks to tony and, and, and kind of like is mean to a young tony and you get the sense that like a young tony and his dad didn't have the greatest relationship but then it pivots and he gives an expo like he talks directly to the camera and he's like tony i love you so much this father-son dynamic that we set up 20 minutes ago is now totally resolved because I love you. Also, maybe you should take another look at this model of the city of the future I built. Yeah. And maybe it will have... The, the key to what you need. <laughs> the plans to a new element yes. in it? Which would save your life? <laughs> uh, yeah. So it turns out that if you look at this city that he built a really cool model of yeah. aerially... It actually is the plan for a new element. Tony Stark assembles a like atom collider yeah. in his house. There's a large hadron collider <laughs> in Tony Stark's home. Um and there is a pretty enjoyable scene in which what's what's the FBI dude's name? Or not he's Agent not, Coulson. Agent Coulson. He shows up. He's like is he FBI? He's SHIELD. He's SHIELD. He's like a government SHIELD dude, but he's just like a total like uh G Man. Yeah. And he shows up and Tony Stark in his dad's stuff has found like a prototype Captain America shield. And there's this very cast off thing where like Coulson is like, do you know what this is? And Tony Stark uses it to prop up the, <laughs> the atom Hadron, smasher. Yeah. It, is a, it is a very winky winky. Yes. Like, but, but amusingly so, unlike the Hulk stuff, it does not feel pandering. Well, and the nice thing about it is that it actually plays into the movies. Like it is, yeah. it is quote unquote meaningful and a wink yeah. right like if we existed in a world in which there were only these movies that was the only existence of the stories it would just be something that you as the audience would be like yeah that's just a thing to prop that up with yeah uh it's only winky winky because we know more yeah. but it actually will come back around which yes. i'm totally great with um, the, the purple pants in the incredible hulk oh it turns out will not return i'm so glad so um th in between all of this <laughs> pepper Potts is really mad at tony uh, because even though he brought her strawberries <laughs> in an inexplicable in equivalent to the cabbie scene in the incredible. No, Hulk. I know why he does it though, because he gives the guy his watch to pay for the strawberries, oh, which right. I had missed yes. before. Yeah. So it's actually totally explicable because it's like clear that Tony is just like, I'm going to die. I'm giving away everything. everything I just yeah. want pepper pots to love me. Damn it. So he buys, he buys strawberries for her, even though she's allergic to strawberries. She's extra angry at him, and that's when he realizes that the little city, the city diorama, is actually the key to all of this. Takes it home, invents a new element in a scene that is both silly and kind of worked for me. That is exactly how I felt about it. There was an element of the whole thing... Element. element. Uh, of the whole thing where I didn't fully understand why his father couldn't make this element. It makes no sense, number one, why his father <laughs> couldn't have made this element. And two, I mean, maybe because he didn't have a Jarvis, but two, also, how did his father, seem, seemingly implying in the video that this will somehow save Tony's life, <laughs> know that Tony would someday have an arc reactor in, <laughs> in his, his chest, chest and require saving? Please, write in if you know the answer to like, this. They very well might have said it and we just missed yes. it. This movie moves fast. It moves very fast and there's a lot going on and John Slattery is like on screen for all of 10 minutes. Exactly. If, if that. Maybe no, eight I minutes. would say five. 
Yeah, maybe five very, total. Very, like, but it's it's just this weird thing where he's like, I totally understand what's going to happen in this movie that you're watching right now. And yeah. Tony Stark is like, well, of course you couldn't have made that. I'm going to make it right now. He's just and like, I, son, I know what you're going through. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get it all. It doesn't make sense. But, but in any case... <laughs> Tony is like, I will invent a new element. And with Jarvis's help, like basically creates an outline for this element and then makes it. Yeah, he's I assume able, that he 3D prints it. Right. And he manufactures this element, which for some reason takes the form of a triangular glowing thing. He builds a new arc reactor and simultaneously seems to build a new Iron Man suit with a cool triangular cutout in the front of it so that we know it's got the new very, thing in it. Very cool and triangular. Triforce. Super cool. Triangles are super cool. Yeah. We all know that. Coolest shape. Uh, circles are pretty cool, too. Yeah. I don't know. I like squares also. Mm. Take or leave them. <laughs> uh, okay. Hammer Industries <laughs> is throwing their keynote event at the Stark Expo, a sentence that doesn't make any sense. Against Ivan Whiplash's advice, um, Hammer, played well, by Sam, Rock- but, Sam, Rock- Sam Rockwell. No, it's... It, so... Ivan is trying ready. to make it happen. No, 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 because he's lying to Hammer. Oh, okay. He's like, they will only salute. So, like, Ivan is like, listen, you can put them up there, but they're only going to be able to salute, right? Okay. And so Sam Rockwell structures the presentation so that he's like, we're going to have drones for each branch of the military, and he's got, like, 10 robots for each branch of the military, and we've got Rhodey wearing the war machine suit because, like, we can't do it all with robots, and then they all salute together. Yes. And you're like, oh, that's the presentation. But then it turns out that Whiplash has total control over the drones and they're very capable. And then they all turn their guns on the crowd. No one seems to die, though. Well, the thing about it is that it like. Tony has realized that this is going to happen. So he flies in. He crashes the party. And he's like, Rhodey, I know that we've had beef, but I need you to listen to but me. But we need to fight these robots right now. Yeah. Big fight scene ensues. Lots of lots of robots die. No people. Good job, Marvel. No people. Yeah. <laughs> like, Actually, seemingly weirdly, no people die, despite yeah. the fact that this is essentially a, a major terrorist attack. It is. It, on it, a population it, it, like, of these, civilians. These robots are terrible shots. They are <laughs> stormtrooper aim levels of just like... What were you even built to do if you're so capable? And luckily, falling glass doesn't seem to have any Any impact. effect. They love yeah. breaking glass in this movie. They do. Um, so, Rhodey, Iron Man, they're fighting. They're doing stuff. They're killing people. Whiplash shows up. He's got a bigger Whiplash suit. He ties them both together. They're on opposite sides of his arms. And they do the cool move from before where they shoot each other's hands. It explodes. Whiplash is dead. Or knocked out. It brings down the whole like building, I think. Yeah, that's true. That's cool. Hammer gets arrested because he wasn't supposed to be doing any of this. And Tony flies away, meets up with Pepper, or uh, like saves her. I think he flies away with her. Yeah. He's he saves her yeah, because he flies there's, her up there's to a like roof. a bomb that's about to go yep, off or yep. something like that. One of the one of the robots is gonna explode because yes. all the drones explode. All the drones explode, and so he has to grab her because she's still on the grounds of the World's Fair. Yep. He picks her up, he takes her to a rooftop. They kiss at that point they exchange sweet nothings and begin making out when roadie <laughs> is just there that old scamp flew onto this rooftop before they were there oh, and man. has been watching the whole thing like a sneaky boyer <laughs> this is a story about best friends <laughs> um so yes he's been watching them the whole time uh 
and it's kind of funny and like does um, pepper also step down as ceo no okay good. i think she still runs stark all right cool does something happen after that probably or was that the end of it um that's more or less i think that's the, more or less the, like the culmination the then there's oh. uh, there's the final avengers scene with nick fury where he, nick fury and scarlett johansson meet with uh tony stark and they basically say, like, we've reviewed everything and you did a really good job saving the world, but you're a little erratic and we don't think that you're ready for the Avengers yet, but we'd like to bring you on in a consulting position. And he says, like, my price is too high. And yeah. they say, like, well, what's your price? And then Tony is like, well, and he gets a uh, government medal for his service presented to him by Gary Shandling, the man who wanted him to turn over the robot suit. Yeah. Um, and so now Tony Stark is kind of an Avenger. But not really. But he's he's a contractor yeah. to the Avengers, he's a essentially. Contractor. Yeah. I just the idea like he's working he's freelance, but like does work for the there Avengers. There is something really funny about like the ways in which these films are grounded where mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, so he's getting paid hourly now. He doesn't I, get health care, but like he's part of the Avengers. I literally think that they call it a consulting position. They do. They call yeah. it a consulting role. Yeah. And I, I there's something funny about the ways in which it intersects with real life. It is also not clear who else is on the Avengers at this point other than Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. She Wait, seems to be the Avenger. She is the Avengers. Well, and so we have seen the illusion that there might be uh, a Captain America, but we don't know yet. And that's the end of the film. We'll talk about the post-credit sequence and review that in its own right after yes. the fact. So, Bob. Yes. What did you think of Iron Man 2? I had a great time. I really, really enjoyed it. I also had really enjoyed it. You'd seen this previously, correct? I had seen this movie before. I had not seen this one I previously. did not like it when I saw it before because I am an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed this movie. I um, really did too. It is not nearly as good as the first Iron Man. But it's not so far off when like so i think there's an interesting distinction here between first iron man is a good movie yes i would say a great movie a great movie this movie i enjoyed i do not know and i think we're going to be running into this issue a lot as we watch these movies i do not know if this is necessary it's certainly not a great movie i don't even know if it's necessarily a objectively a good movie i just know that i enjoyed watching this movie in part because it was not the Incredible Hulk. Well, okay, so there is that. Here's why I enjoyed this movie, and I think here's why I really didn't like this movie before. Mm-hmm. And this is the realization that I've come to, and I understand that for those of you out there who are very into Marvel already, you totally understand this, but I have never grasped this until watching this movie, and now it all makes sense. And I will say, watching this movie was the first time that I actually understood the MCU entirely, and I was like, oh, I get it. When I saw this the other time, I was like, I saw Iron Man. It was a standalone movie. I didn't like it that much. I don't know why I didn't like it. I'm sorry. I was an idiot. But I I was like, here is another standalone movie. Like, I actually, I don't keep up with industry stuff. I don't yeah. know. So I didn't realize that these were going to be part of something larger. I was like, here is another Iron Man, right? Yeah. As a standalone movie, this is not very good. Because it has, like, all of this stuff that alludes to things outside of itself. A lot of it is predicated on on the first film. And well, and on the film to come. All yes. of the Avengers stuff is just like if you don't if you're not like really kind of like okay, there's going to be a lot more. Which is which is what surprises me about the fact that di- the fact that anybody was game for this. 
that's, at the time well, and kind that's, of boggles my mind. Well, because right now we are right now you and I are binging a TV show that's been released all at once. And essentially. that's it. I didn't realize before that this yeah. is a TV show. Yes. And now I see that it's a TV show and I'm like, heck yeah, this is fantastic. And we can binge it. Yes. I do not know how it would feel if I had watched Iron Man when it came out in 2008 and then gone to the theater two years later and seen Iron Man 2, I think I probably would have thought this movie was garbage. Well, and that's exactly it, right? Because you don't have that immediate context for all the stuff, yeah. and it rewards that sort of proximity yeah. that you don't otherwise have if everything's coming out every two years. Which is interesting because, and that's part of the problem, the flaw in our process, is that we will not actually experience these movies the way that people actually did experience them. But I think that... The, the, we are experiencing them the, the ideal way. The way they are intended to The way be that they are intended to be experienced. I agree with that. Um, I think that really, like, to, to take your episode analogy, because I think that you're right that this is a TV show, and I think that we essentially are watching a TV show where the pilot was amazing. Oh, my God. And episode two <laughs> was pretty bad, but episode three was like, all right, you got me back. Well, and there and is something... And now I'm excited for episode four. Right. There's something so fun, and this... This is the most interesting part about it, right? Because it's a TV show that costs a ton of money, which is neat. Yeah. Because that doesn't really happen. I mean, it does now. Well, but not this kind of money. Not to this degree. Yeah, you don't see $200 million spent on a on TV not show episodes. But beyond that, it's all like John Favreau directs these two. But like a lot of them, like you're moving around for directors, you're moving around for tone. And like it's an anthology thing that is also a show. Yes. It is a Twilight Zone-ass type thing if all the Twilight Zone episodes tied into something bigger. Do you think that there is a... I know that you and I, off mic, had been talking about the show Big Little Lies yes. previously. And how a lot of TV shows have these Bibles, these essential, like, the Bibles... For, that, like, what governs it? For what governs it, and also, like, what the aesthetic, the over, overall aesthetic of the show is supposed to be. Do you think that there is a Marvel Bible? I think that the Marvel Bible is Kevin Feige, or however you say his name. Yeah. I think Fiji. Fiji. He, Fiji. Fiji. I have no idea. Kevin Feige. Uh, he is that. You and, think he's just a living Bible? Well, my understanding is that he is... I, I read a pretty good little New York Times piece on him mm -hmm. from back, like, around the time that this movie came out. And it's, like... And the, the article's tone is just, like, nobody could do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this man is insane. But the total pitch is that he... He was just, like, around during the X-Men movies and everybody was like, this guy knows everything about Marvel. And then he like essentially got elevated to this position just because he knew he was just a huge fan. And he was like, we're going to make this and we're not going to change the storylines. We're not going to try and rewrite it. I like the comic books because they're awesome. The storylines are good. We're just going to find a way to make those storylines into films. Yeah. And, and he probably also knew television really well and understood how to serialize content. And so I think that he just is the person where it's like the buck kind of stops with him. That would make sense. Um, because you do see some in the, like we're in Iron Man three, the Shane black one. I know that that is reviled by some really. Yes. Some okay. people really hate it. I've never seen it. It is arguably my favorite Marvel movie that I have seen. Ooh, I think, I think it's great. Oh, the rankings are going to yeah. heat up. Um, and I think that Shane Black is only okay, but I think that like him applied to a Marvel universe is really interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that it will be interesting in this anthology series, as you termed it, to like kind of see what different people bring. Next up is Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, we're excited. And we 
Kenneth Branagh has made a lot of bad movies, but he's made some very good. He's movies, made some and very he has a good, good eye, and I, I think that there could be something to the idea of him. And I have not seen Thor, mm-hmm. but like the bringing a Shakespearean grandiosity to something like this, there's a something appealing about that to me. I and that's actually where I think I have seen Thor, and I am curious to see whether that part of it has improved with age because my favorite part of Thor was really the, just the charisma of Chris Hemsworth mm. who I remember watching that movie and just being like this guy. <laughs> Cause he sells the part so hard. Well, and that's, I mean, in, in the way that Tony Stark was as Robert say, Downey Jr. If you want to talk about yeah. the difference between the Hulk and Iron Man, obviously Iron Man is just a, tr- like both of them so much better written Every, everything about them is better. It's better. Don't, don't but, get me wrong. But the real key. But it's just that Robert Downey Jr. sells the dude so hard that there is no doubt in your mind. The idea that Robert Downey Jr. existed before he was Tony Stark is sort of weird. Yes, I agree. It is strange to think of Robert Downey Jr. in early films not knowing that this role right. was like part of his, his, his character. Because this is... This is like you know, born to play, whatever. Yeah. But like, in all seriousness, I mean, he he was a fan of the comics, and I, that makes total sense. I don't know how much you know about the comics, but like, there's the Devil in a Bottle um, storyline in the comics that's all about addiction. I feel as though Tony okay. Stark is an alcoholic in the books. So to wing yeah. us back around to actually talking about this film, yeah, I my disappointment with this film, uh, one the fight scene with Rhodey. <laughs> yes, agreed. Uh. Two, I don't really like the ending fight scene that much either. I actually really like the ending fight scene. I know. You and I disagree on that. I, well, I so love why, the Monaco. Why don't, why don't you like the ending fight scene? I love the Monaco scene because it is grounded and shot from the ground. Mm-hmm. And I think I brought this up on a previous podcast about the differences between Pacific Rim and, and yes, the you did. Pacific Rim sequel. It's The Monaco scene is shot on the ground. It's you very like grounded. a specific rim. I... <laughs> I um and I feel like the later scene, except for the part when Whiplash comes in, but when they're fighting the androids, the camera is a digital camera that is just whipping around everywhere. Yeah, and but the effects just, are so good in this movie. The effects are pretty good. They're they're worlds better than they were two years ago oh, in the other movies. They look so incredible. But like I I never still, like thought oh. But it doesn't it's matter fake. how good the effects are to my mind to a degree if I'm not enjoying looking at whatever's being shot, whether it's real or not then I'm not invested. I like robots. Yeah. I just, I think the flying <laughs> sequences, the flying battle sequences are less interesting to me. I, I enjoy them. I like it more I really when like things them. are grounded. Like, I think the Monaco scene is actually tense. I know that Tony is not going to die. Oh, I thought it was really tense. Me, there's still a part of me that's like, oh my God, what if Tony dies? Well, and it's very tactile. It's a good fight it's scene. It's very tactile. Very good. Um, oh, he's chopping cars in half. Yes. And like, they and chopping, chopping cars, cars in half. Cars in half. <laughs> yeah. Chopping cars in half is much more tactile to me than cars exploding, which is what totally you see. agreed. And totally agreed. So, um, in that regard, I think that like it's serviceable. The end fight scene is totally like it's not bad, but I drastically prefer. Like, I'm really excited for Captain America because I want to see some like hand to hand combat. Because mm-hmm. like my favorite Marvel property, still like TV or cinematic property, is still like the Daredevil TV show. Okay, I thought the first season that that was like pretty solid. Yeah, because the fight scenes are really strong. And I I totally understand that. I think that what I appreciated about the end fight scene in this 
is that before Whiplash shows up, you get some really cool sequences of flying and fighting and like they're blowing up robots. And it's just kind of, it is like kind of weightless. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's no risk, but it's just cool looking and it's fun. And there's a really enjoyable scene where he and Rhodey are just talking before these robots show up. And they're like, we need to plan for this fight because they're going to be here in a second. And then they just talk forever. And then everything shows up and it's, it's funny and enjoyable. And it kind of plays off the fact that, you know, they're not going to die. But by the time Whiplash shows up, he is not there for very long, and they just dispatch him. It's a very quick ending. And I love that because it's just like, he shows up and you're like, oh no, a bigger robot. Yeah. And then they just blow him up. And it's fun because you're just like, oh, they just blew up a bigger robot. That's fine. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, of course, they're going to kill him. I mean, I Um, think the... It's fine. Or or disable him. No, that dude's dead. Okay. Well, he's a Russian, so it doesn't matter. That's right. Kind of like in the first movie. Yes. <laughs> Anybody who was an American did not matter. I, there, there is a very, like, America... Like, what's amazing about it, right, is it's American on both sides, because it's the American military, and then it's the American capitalist, and both of them are America. Yeah, but Congress sucks. Well, <laughs> no, no doubt, dude. Because Yeah, when Larry Sanders comes in <laughs> and is trying to tell you what to do with your Iron Man suit, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you should be able to do whatever you want with your Iron Man suit. Not my Iron Man suit. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, I would say that like another issue that I have with this movie is that Mickey Rourke is kind of not utilized to the degree that he could. Be. I think he's utilized perfectly because I don't know. I don't want any more from him. I I learn everything I need to know about Mickey Rourke, and I think that this is the greatest strength of the movie, right? I learn everything I need to know about him from the cold open. Mm-hmm. He has all the motivation in the world. He feels wronged on behalf of his father. He has lived a terrible life, and Tony Stark's opulence is juxtaposed against it perfectly. He's a satisfying 2D character. Yes. But he is two-dimensional. He is he is he has enough depth. 2.5D, Matt. <laughs> Uh, he has enough I don't depth. Know, Ian Forster didn't talk about that in aspects of the novel. <laughs> well, he hasn't seen video games. Yeah. Um, he has enough depth that I can easily justify any of his decisions. And that and that's enough. Yeah, and I respect that. I just feel as though I'm... And I think that maybe you're right. But I will say that like I'm much more interested in the scenes with Mickey Rourke than I am in the scenes without Mickey Rourke. And as a result, my instinct, which is probably faulty, is I would like more scenes with Mickey Rourke. But I mean, it's also possible that like that would just ruin the movie. Well, and again, this movie is, if we view it as a TV show where we know that there's going to be more on the other sides, yeah. it is a miracle of pacing. Like, they are cranking through it, but I didn't feel like rushed. No, I guess I didn't feel rushed either. There is a lot fit into a very small space, and at the same time, I would not call it necessarily economic. I'm with you. Yeah. It needs this movie needs to be tightened up. Like there yeah. is a better movie inside of this movie, but the movie that's there is quite good. Yeah, I think, and and particularly given that I am genuinely excited for like Tony Stark will return in Iron Man three. Like I'm I'm ready for it. Um, there was. What did you think about like the shield stuff in this film? Like did that cuz when I first saw it, right, and I mm-hmm. was totally unaware of like the idea of an extended universe and I was like I guess they'll resolve all this in Iron Man 3. I remember being like this all sucks. So I and think now I'm like it's because heck yeah. because our perspective on this has changed, I am much more engaged in the shield stuff. I'm curious about it. 
Um, I've seen some of the subsequent movies as, as you have as well. So I kind of know few, some of the though. places that it goes, but like, yeah, I'm more invested. And I think this brings us really nicely as dovetails nicely with the um, end credit scene. Yes. So in the end credit scene, um, we have agent Colson who had previously mentioned to Tony that he was heading to New Mexico to investigate <sighs> something. Right. Very, agent, agent very Coulson, portentous. Yeah, agent Colson is truly enough driving through New Mexico <laughs> He's he driving, 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 drive. which is shocking. <laughs> he's he, he he's there. He parks his car and gets out, and the camera zooms away, and we see a massive crater. Cut to the center of the crater, where there is a big old hammer. A big hammer. If you have never read a Marvel comic before, you must be so confused. Well, and I will be entirely honest with yeah. you. I would kill. For two things. One, to have all of these films released at once. Mm. Or even in sequence. Like, like in sequence with the knowledge that there would be more, right? Yeah. Like, with the knowledge that this whole thing would be seen to completion. And to never have had Marvel exist before. And I know that that's obviously an impossibility. But, like, good God. If I could just have seen that hammer in this end sequence and had no idea what that could even possibly mean... How amazing would that be? Like, how thrilling would that be for you? Question for you. Given your wife's awareness of the Marvel Universe, if she were to watch Iron Man 2 and saw that this um, post-credit stinger, would she understand what that hammer yeah, was? Yeah, she definitely would. Okay. I think that the culture has just it's shifted subsumed so much. it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's everywhere. Would you under- Did you understand it at the time? When you first saw Iron Man so 2? Here, this is the most interesting part about both of these movies, because yeah. I saw both Iron Man 1 and 2 when I came In the theaters. Out. My friends and I left the minute the credits started. Oh, we so didn't, didn't know. know. Because I didn't... I We didn't know. Yeah. Like, we were just like, we're going to... We, you know, some of them enjoyed Iron Man. I didn't like it, but we I went along. Yeah. And we just... We left... I didn't have any idea that there were post-credit sequences in these movies. Okay. Would you have understood what the hammer meant? Is Probably. it to answer that question? Right. Ways? And that's yeah. so awesome. Like, this yeah. is kind of getting into the situation of that movie yesterday, <laughs> where it's like, could pop music exist without the Beatles? Like, does Ed Sheeran exist? No. But this man somehow exists. Like, it makes no sense, right? Yeah. But I, like, these movies couldn't exist because the Marvel Universe had to be fully fleshed out for them to even conceive of this. Yes. But... And it had to have the fan base for these to be able to succeed financially. There is an element where I'm like, and the problem is that obviously like the culture has just absorbed all this and there's t-shirts and everything. Like, so you know, Yeah. but like, oh, to be a kid and have just no idea and go see this and just at the end of this movie, you see this hammer and you're just like, what, where does this even go? Is there somebody who uses a hammer? But like the the hammer's all ornate. We already saw hammer industries. Is this relate back (laughs) to Sam Rockwell? Maybe, but it's it's so different from the things you've otherwise seen. Yeah, there would be something really thrilling about that. And I will say, we have been talking about like so, trying to rank these post credit sequences. Yeah, I, this I want, is number one with a bullet. Really? Oh, oh yeah. I disagree hard. Ooh, I think I I think that this is like you like the Hulk. <laughs> no, well, to a degree, the relief I felt with the Hulk might be the strongest. <laughs> <laughs> but no, That's I think so that, I think the first one is the best. This one is if I re- if it we're looking at it objectively, then I would say that this is the weakest because it has the least context. See, and seeing I- Sam Jackson suddenly show up for like <laughs> for like twenty seconds after a two hour movie is like, oh, you have me. 
Now I'm I'm interested now. I understand that, but like to me, the lack of context is the, like a a good stinger is like without any context. Like a good stinger, a good stinger is needs just, to give you some hint. See, I I think that it's just like next time something you could never guess. Because like what I want I is the stinger to that. end and you to be in the car and just be like wildly speculating. I want you to be so wrong. You know what I mean? I want you to yeah. have no idea. Yeah, and I, I respect that, certainly. I still think that, like, objectively, the first one is the best stinger because it is the one that opens the possibility Well, then it can everything. never be beaten. Yeah, to a degree. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, all right, so I think it t- comes, the time has come to do our Marvel power rankings. All right. Uh, I mean, I think we all know... I think we're probably in agreement. The numbers in the title. Yeah. Number two is Iron, Iron Man, Man two. 2. So that for a quick reminder for everyone, and I've been talking, I've been thinking about it. We probably should do Far From Home. So now I think we we're definitely do should do Far From Home. Twenty three films. Uh, so our current rankings stand at one Iron Man, two Iron Man two, number twenty three, The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what's up next? Uh, so next is 2011's Thor. Oh, thank you. 2011's Thor, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Matt has seen it. I have not. And, uh, oh, this is interesting, though. This marks the moment that Kevin Feige becomes the sole producer. The sole producer, yes. That is interesting. I think it's Feig. Feig? I'm sorry, Kevin, <laughs> uh, when you listen to this. That that is interesting though to me. Yeah, like this is the moment when he takes control. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to to see. Um, I'm pum- this I'm movie pumped again. for Thor. Yeah. Uh, like, I haven't seen it since 2012. So. so so here here's where I'm at right now. We watched Iron Man. And I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I missed out on this. Like, I I really felt like, oh, I'm a sucker. Yeah. And then we watched The Incredible Hulk, and I was like, I made the best decision of my entire life. <laughs> And then we watched this, and I was I was immediately back in, and for the first time I understood it. Yeah. And now I'm just amped, and I'm, I'm very excited for Thor. And now I'm worried, like, are we going to be on this seesaw for the rest of this journey? I I know there's I only the three Iron thing. Man movies, Matt. <laughs> um, no, I think. Oh God, I don't know. I'm curious to, to. I'm in many ways most curious to rewatch some of the movies. Um, we, I, I, so full disclosure, we'll talk about this next time too, but I enjoyed Thor despite myself. I thought it was a dumb movie, but I really enjoyed some of the dumbest parts of it. Okay. I liked when it leaned into the absurdity of the situation. Yeah. And that seems right for yes. Thor to me because like it, my very limited understanding of Thor seems real dumb. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing that I just realized is that I've only seen two Marvel movies in theaters. That is very interesting. The original Iron Man and Black Panther. I saw Black Panther in theory. Yeah. Um, so I am just thinking about when I watched Thor last, it was on like a tiny TV <laughs> far across the room from me. And I'm very curious how that will change my experience. It would be a lot of fun to see them all on a big screen. Should we just rent a theater? <laughs> should for, we should for, we just rent a theater? I mean, for like Endgame, should we do it? <laughs> I mean, we could. <laughs> Maybe we should. Yeah. Um, um, so listeners look forward to that. <laughs> no. Come to Chicago. Help us split the You bill. probably haven't seen it. <laughs> um, All right. Let's, uh, let's move on from Marvel. Oh, final note. Oh, God. 
the weirdest part about Iron Man 2 is that the soundtrack features not one, but two ACDC songs. Yeah, they move on to ACDC. It and is I- as though they are actively like courting different like heavy rock bands. And dudes, let me tell you, I think Back in Black is a masterpiece, but Black Sabbath has the song. <laughs> That's all. Just keep playing Black Sabbath songs. <laughs> That's all I have. That's all I have to say. All right. All right. Here's the dirty secret that I have for today. I haven't played any video games, but it feels pretty good, right? It is actually kind of nice to not. Look I know, at the dude. It's really good. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Fire Emblem game, though. I I am. I very pre- curious. I pre-ordered that game, and I haven't pre-ordered a game since like God of War. I mean, the Fire Emblem on the 3DS. Very good. Very good. There's no like um, babies in this one I've heard. So there's no. Oh, really? I haven't learned anything about it. It's I I've limited the amount that I know, but I saw that call out that it doesn't have awakenings. Like you can match two players and then. Oh, I don't like that. That was like my favorite. You can still match two players. Oh, okay. okay. In fact, they've upped like the the romancing part of it. Very good. But you are a teacher at a school, is the conceit. So you are the professor, and you have all of these students who are, like, forming relationships and stuff. You are Nick Fury. Yeah. Um, You are Professor McGonagall, essentially. Uh, Anyway, I have not played any video games, but I, for the first time in my short life playing Dungeons & Dragons, was a player character. Oh, that's fun. How'd it go? I played with someone else being a DM. Was it good? It was really cool. Yeah. yeah. So this DM has... It's important for listeners to note that Matt is the DM in our ongoing uh, D&D campaign for the Soft Boys. The Soft Boys campaign. A group of rogues. <laughs> and li- a bard and a rogue. A bard Liberal and a rogue. Liberal students, truly. Yeah. Uh, who They met a fighter recently, so things got a little harder, but... Anyways, yeah. continue, um, sir. So I've only ever been a DM. So this is my first time being a player character. So my friend um, homebrewed extensively her own campaign. She has like the most incredible illustrated Bible that she has put together. That's amazing. It's it's on Instagram. And um, I'm going to send it to you so that we can link to it in the show notes. But um, it's super impressive. And we uh, played through the first portion of the campaign, which was really fun. And I am playing a uh, lady dwarf with a beard who uh, is a cleric. And it's really Sounds cool. Sounds exactly like you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I just, I loved it. I have to admit that I did a little bit of backseat DMing. That sounds like you. Yeah, it was very hard to like give up where I was like, I think this should be an athletics role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't do that, dude. Bullshit like that where I was like, mm, really, if we think about it, <laughs> like. <laughs> but um, my friend is a much more capable storyteller than I am in many ways. Interesting. Less improvisational, um, but like very good. And it was a blast. And I really look forward to continuing to be a player character. So D&D remains awesome. I think it's incredible. I was also playing with two other player characters who were also first time. Well, I mean, they were first time player characters, but first times playing yeah, D&D. Yeah. And it was amazing how smoothly it went. It goes really well because people realize that it's just, you get to pretend. There's a moment for everyone when it clicks and they just realize, oh, I can do anything. But I can do anything that this person would do. Yes. And once, you, once you're once you there, it's just, you're comfortable. And it's amazing how fluidly it works. I know you and I played a game recently with uh, with your wife and a friend of ours. Yeah. 
And it also was just like so remarkably good. Everyone just like clicks in and it is so satisfying. I, I had a blast. Um, I cannot recommend the game Dungeons and Dragons enough to anyone. It has lasted this long for a reason. Yeah, it is. And it's having a resurgence right now. And I am 100% jumping on the bandwagon <laughs> to a degree. But I like, I honestly, it is, it is, I don't like board games because they have too many rules. And I love Dungeons and Dragons because the rules don't matter. Exactly. Yeah. And, Speaking of games with rules, we've been playing a game where the rules are on all the cards. I feel like this happened to us accidentally almost. Yeah, you started playing Magic and then I was like, oh yeah, Magic's awesome. I was hanging out with some friends. We went to like a dice store. This was my DM friend who's who's leading this campaign. We went to a store, like a board game. Di- you know, they've got like dice yeah. and like Magic cards and stuff. She was there to buy dice and you she was saw there to buy the dice. Magic cards. I saw a deck builder and I was like, I want to play. <laughs> I bought a deck builder. It has that effect on people. Yeah, I bought the deck builder. Like I have hundreds of magic cards from when I was in middle school. You got to get the new stuff. But I got I got the new one and we spent the day playing magic and then you came over. We were set, and we we're spent getting ready the day to record. playing magic. <laughs> we did. And it was delightful. No game that I've ever played will eat time like playing magic. When I am playing magic, I do not think about the clock, and suddenly it is five hours later. It's incredible. I barely breathe when I play magic. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. A, it's an amazing game. I do not like planeswalkers. That's something for the magic heads. <laughs> um, I don't like them. I think they're a bad mechanic, but otherwise, magic is as good yeah. as it has ever been and always fun to do. For anyone who's super c- confused about us just talking about the the noun magic, this is the card game Magic the Gathering produced by Wizards of the Coast who also own D&D now. Recently, I went to an actual magic shop, uh, as in poof, there's a rabbit, uh, and I was there to buy juggling bars, juggling balls, rather. There's one right near me, and and anyways, I went over there, and it was so funny because I walk in, and the guy's like, hey, what are you interested in? I'm like, I'm here to buy juggling balls, and his face just like descended. Like He was just like... Oh, they have uh, very good juggling balls there, so I bought some juggling balls. Yeah, you've been practicing with limes for quite a while. I've been practicing uh, at my office. We just stand up where we talk about what we did during the day, yeah. and I just was like, I've always wanted to learn to juggle, and so every day during stand-up, which is like 10, 15 minutes, I just juggled, and now I'm pretty good at juggling. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Turns yeah. out, you practice things, you get better. Good for you. Uh, but anyways, you if you want to disappoint somebody who's into magic tricks, you tell them that you are the juggling guy. <laughs> In a store that sells juggling stuff, when he's not into juggling, woo! I feel like if you really want to disappoint someone who owns a store about magic tricks, you walk in and be like, where are your cards at? <laughs> yeah. No, 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 not those, not those. Land I've got plenty of those. I want, I want some mana. Where's there your Black Lotus? Anyways, you guys should play Magic. It's a really good game. It is a really good game. Uh, also, though, before Magic, play D&D. That's because right. Because it is... A better game. game. It is the better game. It is incredible. Um, it's better than Marvel movies. Do it. And yet you could make a campaign that was set in a world like the Marvel Universe. Or a campaign set in a world where the Marvel movies all came out at the same time and there had been no comic book history oh for it to draw. Oh my god. That's the world I want to role play. 